Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to 2 Peter, chapter 2. 2 Peter, chapter 2. I'm going to remind you that at the end of chapter 1, Peter is talking about the nature of Scripture and its trustworthiness. And so I'm going to begin our reading in chapter 1, verse 20, and then our lesson today is chapter 2. This is God's Word. Above all, you know this, no prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along By the Holy Spirit. There were indeed false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved ways, and the way of truth will be maligned because of them. They will exploit you in their greed. With made-up stories, their condemnation pronounced long ago is not idle, and their destruction does not sleep. For if God didn't spare the angels who sinned but cast them into hell and delivered them in chains of utter darkness to be kept for judgment, and if he didn't spare the ancient world but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others when he brought the flood on the world of the ungodly. And if he reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes and condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is coming to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, distressed by the depraved behavior of the immoral, for for as that righteous man lived among them day by day, His righteous soul was tormented by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. And the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, especially those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. Bold, arrogant people. They are not afraid to slander the glorious ones. However, angels who are greater in might and power, do not bring a slanderous charge against them before the Lord. But these people, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed, slander what they do not understand. And in their destruction, they too will be destroyed. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. 
They consider it a pleasure to carouse in broad daylight. They are spots and blemishes, delighting in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery that never stop looking for sin. They seduce unstable people and have hearts trained in greed. Children under a curse. They have gone astray by abandoning the straight path and have followed the path of Balaam, the son of Besor, who loved the wages of wickedness but received a rebuke for his lawlessness. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water, mists driven by a storm. The gloom of darkness has been reserved for them, for by uttering boastful empty words they seduce with fleshly desires and debauchery people who have barely escaped from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption, since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. For if, having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated, the last state is worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it, to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. It has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a washed sow returns to wallowing in the mud. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Peter is reminding the believers of things that they have already been told. He's reminding them, and as he does so in this letter, it is very much with an eye toward coming judgment. The next chapter is going to be devoted to that. The fact that judgment is coming. There will be an end to all things, and he certainly begins to rev that up in this chapter. Remember that these letters are best read straight through. Start in chapter 1, go all the way to the end. It won't take you that long. But as we're focusing in to get a little closer view on this book, I want you to see that he has just stated that the word in Scripture is utterly trustworthy. You can completely depend on the truthfulness of what you read in Scripture. But he says, but of course, even as the Scriptures were being given, there were false prophets. And he gives the example of Balaam, a guy who said what people wanted to hear for money. And sadly, I've known a lot of people in the course of my ministry over the years who have been preachers who told me that they would love to be able to say this or to say that to their church, but they're afraid they'd lose their job. And I tell them, who are you working for? You're supposed to be working for God. You're supposed to be his spokesperson, his representative. You're supposed to preach his word. 
If, if you're basing what you say on what you think people want to hear, or you want to say what will keep you out of trouble, you are set up for the lies of the enemy. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. So, above all, you know that no prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation. No prophecy ever came about by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But there were indeed false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Man came up to me after he'd heard me preach over in North Carolina. He said, I'm a pastor in Georgia, and I want you to come and speak to my people. The message you just preached was the greatest sermon I've ever heard. I want my people to hear that. Would you please come preach that for my church in Georgia? Well, of course, I love a compliment as much as anybody. I always assume that somebody who thinks I'm a good preacher must be very spiritual and discerning. So I, I agreed to go, and before the meeting, he took me to see the lovely historic sanctuary of the church that he pastored, and he told me they'd recently had some difficulty in the church because there was a group within the church that wanted their congregation to sign on to a, um, a covenant, basically, that said, uh, we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation and that the Bible is God's trustworthy message and we must believe it and obey it. I said, what was the problem? He said, well, they, they came close to getting that through. I said, I'm sorry, I don't understand. He said, well, of course, that would have just brought horrible division in our church because not everyone believes that. So even though I believe those things, we had to work to stop that, and I had to try and pacify those people. This guy wants to keep the unbelievers with the believers and act as if it doesn't matter if you believe or not. That is a message from the pit. And that's what's being spoken of here is people who will come along and say, you know, Jesus isn't the only way. How, how undemocratic. How un-American. How can you say Jesus is the only way? I mean, I believe in Jesus. He's my way. But what about all the other good people out there in the world who are doing the best they know how? They're good Hindus. They're good Buddhists. They're good Muslims. As long as the important thing is that they try to be nice and be kind, and as long as they do that, everything's okay, isn't it? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve, to be cut off from God forever. God in his mercy sent his Son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. But he is the only way. And that's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
no one comes to the Father except through me. And it doesn't make any sense at all to say that you are trusting in Jesus, but you don't believe what he said. That makes no sense at all. He gave his life so that we could be forgiven. Now we're charged with the task of bringing that message of hope and opportunity to the world. But the fact of the matter is, nobody is ever going to go to hell without deserving it. And the problem for those people who haven't heard is that they don't deserve to go to heaven any more than I do. Or any more than you do. The only hope is Jesus. First Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is a good word for the staff at Wares Valley Ranch. As we serve children from very difficult situations, we trust in the Lord to supply our needs, especially the essentials. That's where our ranch hands step in. Ranch hands are our monthly donors and we would be sunk without them. We thank God for those who are helping with the necessities with monthly gifts, regardless of the amount. You can become a ranch hand at wvr.org. Look for the donate button to learn more about how you can help. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is So, he says, there will be false teachers, even denying the master who bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved ways, and the way of truth will be maligned because of them. Because of them, those who believe the truth, and the truth itself, will be spoken ill of, because they'll be promoting a lie that's more popular. They'll exploit you in their greed with made-up stories. One of the things that just absolutely infuriates me is preachers who tell other people's stories as if it's theirs. Makes me sick. The first time I heard the story about the little boy on the beach throwing starfish back into the sea, I thought, wow, that's great. What a neat experience. What a wonderful illustration. But then I heard another guy who had the same thing happen to him. And then I heard another one who had the same thing happen to him. All these preachers walking down the beach, finding kids who are throwing starfish back in, and they say the same thing to the little boy, and the little boy says the same thing to them. They're a pack of liars. Why not say, I heard a story about a man who was walking on the beach, and he saw a little boy throwing starfish in, and he said, and the boy said, and I thought that's a great illustration. That's truth. But if you try and pretend it happened to you, that's a lie. Sadly, throughout the church's history, there have been tons of people in ministry who are liars. I am so sorry that that is the case. But please understand this. God's word is true. You need to know that God's word is true. You can believe God 
even though there are people who lie in his name in order to try and get a better paycheck. Judgment is coming. If God didn't spare the angels who sinned but cast them into hell and delivered them in chains of utter darkness to be kept for judgment, that's one example. And if he didn't spare the ancient world but protected Noah, there's an example of salvation in the midst of judgment. And if he reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes and condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is coming to the ungodly, but he rescued righteous Lot, distressed by the depraved behavior of the immoral, I'm just amazed that God inspired Peter to describe Lot as being righteous because I've never liked him. Okay? If Lot can be declared righteous, I guess there's hope for me. But I'm telling you, one of the things that apparently was considered evidence of Lot's righteousness is the fact that living in a place where there was sin going on, he didn't say, wow, I wish I could do that. He was distressed by the evil that he saw. What is your response when you see sin? Because that will tell you a lot about your heart. If you see people doing things that you know are wrong and you wish you could too, something's wrong. But if you see people doing things that are wrong and you think, oh, God have mercy, then that's evidence of God's work in your life. Bold, arrogant people. They're not afraid to slander the glorious ones. However, angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a slanderous charge against them before the Lord. But these people... Like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, slander what they don't understand, and in their destruction, they too will be destroyed. They'll be paid back with harm for what they've done. They consider it a pleasure to carouse in broad daylight. In other words, they're not only doing bad stuff, but for them, part of the fun is to be able to do it publicly. To be able to celebrate wicked behavior. Do we see that in our culture? All the time. More and more. America more and more thinks that a public display of wickedness is something really freeing. It's not free. It's bondage. And that's what's spoken of here. They consider it a pleasure to carouse in broad daylight. There's spots and blemishes, delighting in their deceptions while they feast with you. He says, these are church people. They'll talk about God. They seduce. They have eyes full of adultery that never stop looking for sin. They seduce unstable people and have hearts trained in greed. They've gone astray by abandoning the straight path, followed the path of Balaam, the son of Besor, who loved the wages of wickedness but received a rebuke. For his lawlessness. By uttering boastful, empty words, they seduce with fleshly desires and debauchery people who've barely escaped from those who live in error. They promise them freedom. They themselves are slaves of corruption, since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. Do you understand 
that freedom, real freedom, is not being able to do a bunch of things that destroy. You want to get drunk? What happens when a person is drunk? It means you've taken so much poison into your body that your brain is not able to function properly. Why in the world would you want to be intoxicated with some chemical, whether it's alcohol or some other narcotic? I don't need something to make me more likely to say or do something that I shouldn't. We live in a world that thinks that's freedom. It's not freedom, it's bondage. And it'll destroy you. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. And then he says something that's very, very hard to hear. If having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated. The last state is worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back. I've seen this happen. I've seen this play out. People who learned what was right and on the basis of that knowledge, they changed their behavior and then after a while, they were drawn back. And they end up in horrible bondage. Well, what happened? Did they lose their salvation? That's what a lot of folks think. I guess they lost their salvation. It certainly sounds as if they were saved. They had escaped corruption. That's a description of their behavior. Earlier in the chapter, though, it talks about people who had been bought by the Lord. That certainly sounds as if they were saved. But if you read the end of the chapter, you see something else about these people that's very important to note. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a washed sow returns to wallowing in the mud. You know what God's saying about these people? They may have gotten cleaned up on the outside, but they were never changed on the inside. This is not someone who's lost their salvation. It's someone who was never saved. They had modified their behavior they had come to a knowledge of the truth. They knew it was true, but they didn't receive Jesus as their Lord. They knew he's the Savior, but they didn't receive him. And that's why they were drawn back into this. Still a dog, still a pig, still a lost person. But now they're in more trouble than before. And the reason they're in more trouble is because you and I are accountable for what we know. What about the person in the jungle who's never heard the gospel? A couple of points. Number one, they will not be held to as high a standard as you. Because point number two, you are not that person in the jungle. So don't try and distract yourself 
from your responsibility by wondering about them. If you're really concerned about people in the jungle who haven't heard, go tell them. So, this is not a story of people who lose their salvation. It's a story of people who for a time were among us. They knew what was right. Outwardly, they conformed for a while, but they were drawn back into bondage because they were never changed on the inside. Make your calling and election sure. Do you love Jesus? I pray that you do. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.